It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Six savage seasons all in a row. Six scary seasons for the beast to grow. Six wicked seasons to keep you up all night. Six nasty reasons for your wicked delight. Six wicked seasons that you thought was scary. Wait till season seven of the Wicked Library. <laughs> September 2016. Visit thewickedlibrary.com. From Society 13, redefining podcasts. <laughs> Hey everybody, it's John here from Red Horse Radio. Join me over at the Night Story Podcast. I'm hanging out with Victoria. We like to giggle and ride elevators and stuff. And of course, tell stories. You'll listen to the Night Story Podcast. Everything eventually comes down to a choice. In such a big world, so many choices. Here, in this little lost place, things are simpler. You'll find it because you are meant to. And inside, you'll find my lift and me. I'll take you where you need to go, and then you choose. Once you do, things will get much better, or much worse. <laughs> Find the lift at victoriaslift.com, and also in iTunes at itunes.victoriaslift.com. Welcome to episode number 408 of the Night Story Podcast. This is Dan Foytek. I'm Jeanette Andromeda, and our guest today is, drumroll, David Cummings <laughs> from the No Sleep Podcast. Woo! 
So thanks so much for joining us and in, in, uh, sitting in on, and having a discussion with us. Really been looking forward to this. Well, thanks for having me. This is uh, this is going to be fun. Absolutely. So, you, I mean, you have a great show. The No Sleep Podcast started, I believe, out of a Reddit group, right? Yes, it uh, came out of the subreddit, uh, appropriately enough, called No Sleep, which is a place where people can post uh, original short horror stories. And the focus is kind of on the um, sort of the campfire story, stories told in the first person with a certain sense of plausibility. So it's kind of like, this really happened to me. Let me share it with you. That's excellent. And it kind of grew from there. So, I mean, when it's first started, I mean, were you one of the original members of, of the group or how did you get involved? Um, it was uh, the idea came about. This was back in uh, 2011 and uh, right uh, in June, actually, we're, we're close to our fifth anniversary. And uh, back then, the subreddit had. I'm going to say less than 10,000 subscribers. It was quite small. Uh, it's since gone on to become a default subreddit and there's now over 10 million <laughs> subscribers. Wow. Not, not, not necessarily all active, of course, but, mm. uh, it's probably at this time, it, it could be, uh, safe to say it's probably the largest repository of online horror fiction on the internet. And, uh, so anyways, back in 2011, the idea was put forth to make a podcast that would take some of the better or top rated stories each week and, uh, just have them narrated and, and done in sort of a, a way that people could listen as opposed to read them online. Mm-hmm. And so I, um, I originally said, I'll, I'll be a narrator if you'd like and, and sort of put my, my name out there for that. And as, as things often do, um, the people with the ideas kind of drag their feet and they're not uh, necessarily willing to make things happen. And so I sort of stepped up and said, well, let me produce, you know, at least the first episode and get the ball rolling. And um, and that was it. You know, no, nobody's kind of stepped up uh, behind me, right. or, you know, said, OK, we'll take over from here, Dave. They just uh, let me run with it. So, yeah, that's uh, that's basically how it started. Well, that's that's excellent. It sounds like. It was a lot of fun then to, to get all this going and, and there was already a community kind of behind you hang, hungry for that product for you to take the stories and bring them to life. That's right. It, it got a really good response right at the start and uh, people were, you know, we're kind of happy to, to have this, especially back then it was considered a new medium. I mean, podcasting had been around probably depending on who you ask, maybe five or six years at that point. And, uh, so there were still as much as we joke today about people who say, what's a podcast? You can imagine five years ago, <laughs> yeah. it was, uh, even more people saying that. So, but yeah, the response was great. And it's just, it's all been through word of mouth. That's the thing that continues to amaze me how the, the audience is just, grown because people listen they enjoy it and they tell their friends and it just sort of goes up from there yeah i mean i was curious about that because i mean a lot of podcasts obviously they start as a voice in the dark you're basically just shouting out and and waiting for someone to hear you and listen to you and then hopefully it grows from there uh but it's kind of neat that you started with a community that was already there built in to support you that you know was contributing this and wanted was was hungry for someone to take it and bring it to that next level so has there been anything that you've done in terms of marketing since then to try to grow the show? Or, I mean, like you said, it's all been word of mouth. Has there been any marketing at all or it's 100% grassroots? 
It's, I would say, 99% grassroots. There was a time where I experimented a little bit with some banner ads. Mm -hmm. Uh, I just sort of dipped my toe in those waters, put some banners on sites like creepypasta.com. I actually did some advertising on Reddit itself. Mm -hmm. But no, it really has just been that grassroots um, uh, kind of people sharing it with their friends. And part of what helps it as well is that the show has always had a real kind of volunteer spirit. So in the early days, I would put out a call for, say, narrators, for people to come along and uh, say, you know, can you help us out? Can you record some stories for us? And then, you know, so there were writers coming on board. There were narrators. And as as people volunteer for things, as you can imagine, they start sharing it with their friends and family. And right. so it it really created this little communal family spirit that's that just sort of grew out of that. Yeah, it's it's really cool how that happens. I mean, if we do uh, something similar with the Wicked Library, which is one of the other podcasts that I produce, and um, it's we we solicit authors to submit their stories, and we share those with the world, and uh, they tell their friends, and some of those listeners that are their fans will stay behind, and then you know listen to the next show, and it's just kind of grown snowball like in that fashion. Um, Yeah, exactly. And it's it's a really smart way to, to grow a show, and it's a really smart way to expose those writers to new readers who never would have met them. So it's I think it's a really cool thing that you're doing to take, you know, these stories and, and get them out there into the world and help these people find new listeners, new readers. And and what's really amazing is the <laughs> the untold level of quality of the writers on the subreddit No Sleep. There are people there that why they're not uh, like, you know, published authors, people, you know, with a really high profile uh, is beyond me because there are some people and, you know, they're self-publishing and they're getting, you know, they're sort of growing their brand and, and their uh, sort of, you know, how, how their writing is expressed. They're, they're growing that. And I wouldn't necessarily say marketing it, but they're they're trying to expose themselves, if, if that's not the worst <laughs> way to put it. But um <laughs> And yeah, some of them, um, you know, are just so talented and they're, you know, we've had some of the stories that have been on both the podcast and, you know, highly featured on the subreddit, um, have been optioned for Hollywood movies. Um, you know, there are people who are seemingly interested all the time in, uh, adapting some of these stories for film. And so, yeah, it's, it really is remarkable, as you say, that it's, it's the word of mouth sharing that goes on. But when you get, really good writers and really good quality stories being told, uh, you know, that's going to find an audience no matter, you know, who you are. Yeah. I've always felt that if the product's good, if what you're putting out there is interesting, if the story pulls people in, it's going to find its audience. It just takes more time sometimes if you're, Mm -hmm. you're going the independent route. Uh, but what you're doing is you're, you're helping bridge that gap with, you know, such a large following and such a, a large audience for these writers to be lucky enough to be on the show. Yeah, well, I, I appreciate you putting it that way. And it's, it's something that it has grown really slowly, like you say. And I think that it's actually been a good thing. I think yeah. if, if, if we were to start the podcast, if you think about our first couple of seasons, which were pretty bare bones in terms of production and so on, if we were to start that type of show today, I'm not sure we'd, we'd go anywhere. Um, but we have been able to sort of grow in anonymity. A little bit. And uh, even though there was the following, um, you know, our numbers, our downloads were were fairly small up until maybe season four, season five. So you're looking at, um, you know, 2013, 2014. 
And so we were able to, almost like a minor league uh, ball player, you know, we were able to develop our skills without being in the spotlight of the big leagues. And then finally, we got good enough that there was almost like a flashpoint where people said, hey, this show is is uh, increased its quality exponentially. Now it's really hot, uh, hot in the sense that, you know, now it's, it's kind of really, really exciting to listen to. Mm-hmm. Let, let's share it with our friends. And then we, you know, we saw that real spike go up in downloads and our listenership just took off. So, but if we didn't have that, that couple of two or three years to develop, you know, I don't think we would have had that growth. And it's cool too, because I mean, a podcast like that, the archives are there forever. So even those early stories, those early writers are still benefiting from the growth that you've had now, which is a really cool thing, I think. It is. Yeah. And as much as, as, as I cringe when I think, or when I hear some of those early episodes, like, like all of us were highly self-critical and, uh, but yes, you're right. There are people who go back and, and tell me that they love those first couple of seasons and, you know, they, they like the lo-fi quality of it and the, the bare bones sort of, uh, you know, underground version of it. So yeah, it's, it is great that it's still out there. People can listen all they want to those really, really early shows. Um, I was curious as to how, what your process is for picking your story, because there's tons of stories on that Reddit site. I was, I was checking it out earlier. And um, what's your selection process like, and how do you get uh, permission from the authors to use it? Well, I'm very thankful that for the last, I would say almost a year, I have had a, a wonderful woman named Gabrielle who has taken on the role of story editor or story finder. Uh, she's uh, very highly trained. She's a writer herself. And so she is tasked with uh, going through the mountain of stories, as you said, that, uh, that were submitted or that get submitted every day. And, uh, <clears throat> yeah, so she finds the, the stories that she feels are well told and, you know, have a certain level of quality, but also that would adapt well to audio. Because uh, nowadays our shows, even though we kind of stay, I would say, 95% true to the story as it's written, we do a bit of adaptation that makes it a little uh, friendlier for audio. So things like removing dialogue tags and so on, because we have our voice actors who portray the characters. So you don't need a lot of he said and she replied and those kind of things. So mm-hmm. we, we tweak it a little bit, but... Um, But that's, yeah, that's the main way that, uh, she'll go out there and find stories. And, uh, and then from there, it's really, I mean, the only way we can, unless we have an existing relationship with an author, the only way we can contact them is through the Reddit, uh, PM system. We send them a message and, uh, let them know who we are and what we're all about and where they can check out the site and see that we're not some, uh, Nigerian (laughs) prince trying to scam them out of anything. And, uh, and then, yeah, we go from there. But as, as I said, a lot of, uh, cer- certainly lately with the show, we've established a working relationship with a lot of these really, really good quality writers. And so a lot of them now are just submitting stories directly to us. And that, that's a great, uh, it's a great feeling that there are people who are kind of writing with us in mind. A lot of our authors have said that, that they, they write it and they almost hear which voice actor they want to play mm-hmm. the characters and stuff. So that's, that's a great part of the, uh, the progress we've had. That is very cool. Um, I, I'm also curious, like, I know you said a lot of it was volunteer with your narrators in the beginning. How has, um, how has your, like, cast kind of progressed as the show has grown? 
Well, it's it's sort of a, a really um, organic kind of growth where we've had people come along and they say, I'd like to be a narrator. And as, as with happens, what happens in life, you know, people try something and they decide, well, I've done that. Maybe I'll move on. So we had a fair bit of turnover for the first three or four years and uh, people wanting to help out. And, and back then, another sort of important aspect was because the show was so new and uh, like I said, we were kind of learning as we went along, we had a lot of new uh, narrators, people who had never done it before. And so the maybe the quality of their equipment wasn't the best and maybe their experience wasn't uh, the highest that it, you know, might have grown on to be. But uh, as we've grown on or as the show has grown, we've been able to establish relationships with people who I, I, very few of our voice actors are full time working people uh, working in the voice acting field or the narration field. But most of them are very highly skilled. They're experienced, even if the experience is just with the No Sleep podcast. They know how to work within my crazy scheduling. And when I, when I send them a, a script and I say, you know, I need this in the next 36 hours, please, please, please. And, and they, uh, they put up with my nonsense. And so it's, uh, yeah. So we've, we've kind of established a little cast. Uh, we sort of lightheartedly call them the no sleep players. And, um, I'm just so thrilled that, that we have the kind of people we have because there are some highly trained, highly skilled, experienced voice actors who are working with us and they're all great and they all contribute so well. And so it's just, yeah. And, and some of them have been around since season two, season three. And these wow. are people, people who've just done it as a hobby. And now they're, uh, you know, they're doing fabulous work and it's, uh, it's great to have that little, uh, family of voice actors. That's incredible. Um, so, like, it, it sounds like you've got a pretty sizable team behind this podcast. Like, how, like, on average, how many people are adding to every episode? Hmm. We do. If if we're looking at a, an average episode, our full length episode, which would run five to six stories usually. So you're looking at say six authors. You're looking at another maybe dozen voice actors. And then we have uh, an illustrator who does a, an illustration for each show. We have our composer, Brandon Boone, who custom scores every episode. Uh, we have two producers with us now who uh, take a lot of the work off of me. So, I mean, any given episode, you could be looking at close to 20 people who are contributing to it. Wow. That's incredible. <laughs> It yeah, makes it a lot so. easier. I mean, I know whenever yeah. whenever I first took over um, uh, Wicked Library for the season six, it was just me doing everything. And as you know, very quickly, you're like, do I have a life here? Um, <laughs> it's just so bringing in a lot of people to help out. I mean, it creates its own challenge in coordinating things. But if you pick the right people, I think that kind of takes care of itself. You're absolutely right. Yeah. The, uh, the people, like I mentioned, you know, I can just throw stuff at people and say, you know, here's your role. Uh, you know, can you get it to me quickly? Um, here's your stories. Uh, you know, folks, guys like Brandon, for example, you know, here's a guy who's scoring six stories. Uh, no, he doesn't necessarily, he doesn't like if it's a story that runs 30 minutes long, he's not necessarily writing 30 minutes worth of music. Uh -huh. He writes various themes that we sort of slot into the, the show and, and move them around where uh -huh. it fits the, the tone of the story. But, you know, he's, he's doing a, a great deal of work to make 
you know, the music of, of the show, which is a big part of it, fit in really well. So, yes, you're right. On one hand, it's great that all these people are giving their time and and their talent to the show. But uh, it's funny. I, I find that I'm not my workload has not really lessened as we've gone along, even though, I, as I said, I've got anywhere from 15 to, to 19 people helping me with an episode. It's still, I mean, I do it full time now. So I, you know, it's still, I'm putting in 80 hours a week to just try to get this stuff out there. It's amazing. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah. And it, basically what you've done is you, you've, you've kept your amount of work the same, but you've, you've made the quality like what, probably four times what it was before. I'd like to think so. Yeah, I really would. And and obviously people have different opinions, but uh yeah, the the show, I would say season 6 and in our current season now, season 7. And when I say season, our seasons run uh 25 episodes. So a season is about 6 months out of the year. Okay. So um in the so basically in the last say calendar year, I think we've really gotten as close as we've ever been to my vision of the show when I when I first started it, I grew up listening to radio dramas and uh-huh. some of these horror shows um, when I was a kid, and I've just I've I've always had that notion of what I want the show to sound like. Yeah, and you know it took four and a half years or so on, but it's uh, you know we're finally there. So that's what's what's really encouraging is that you know like you say the the workload is still there. It's still high, but I think it's, it's kind of showing on the, uh, on the front end, what the audience sees and hears. Yeah. I've heard a lot of growth and I've really enjoyed hearing, hearing how the show has progressed and how it's like, it, it just keeps, it just keeps getting more and more polished. And it's just exciting to hear that. And like, and now to be talking to you is kind of, I don't want to say meta, <laughs> but weird because <laughs> meta is not the right term, but that is the word that popped into my head. Um, right, I'm, right. I'm also uh, very impressed with like how you've been interacting with your audience. And obviously it's because your audience is a, such a huge part of creating it. Um, but I would love to hear more about your subscription service and how you've um, kind of gone to the, ne- the next level with scaling up the podcast and what you can get out of it personally and for your team. Yes, it was uh, about halfway through season two. So this would have been back about 2012. I started uh, kind of pondering this idea, which was kind of crazy at the time. And that was the possibility of doing the show full time or, or at least making the show somehow profitable, bringing in some kind of revenue that it would help pay for the expenses of the show. And maybe the people who contributed could make a bit of money. Uh, before the podcast started, I had sort of returned, if that's the right word, to trying to get into doing a bit of voice acting or commercial voiceover work. And it doesn't take long when you try that to realize that there are people out there who would like you to do things for them, but nobody's willing to pay. Mm-hmm. And, and so one of my goals was I want to try to be one of the first podcasts of, of our kind that could pay every contributor. And mm-hmm. even at the very start, it, it was really minimal. It was $25 a story for the, for the writers. And if back then it was usually just one narrator per story and it would be about $25. But so, you know, for most people, that's kind of peanuts. But in the podcasting world, that oh, yeah. was kind of un- it was unheard of. So um, I used a model from a podcast that I love. It's still going. It's Jimmy Pardo's comedy podcast called Never Not Funny. And they kind of uh, were <laughs> pioneers in the sense that they did a couple of seasons for free. And then they said, what we're going to do is we're going to give you the first segment of the show for free. 
And if you want to hear the full length show, you can buy, you know, a season pass. That's kind of the word I use for, for our show. <laughs> and so in the early days when we started season three, the idea was there was still a free show and it would run probably about 30 minutes long. And then sort of at, at the end of say the second story, the, the free episode would end. But if people wanted to subscribe to a season pass and it was $20, it still is $20 for a season. So for 25 episodes plus some bonus content, they were able to get the full length episodes, which were running about two hours. And, um, and, you know, just so, you know, we were basically saying for maybe 70 cents an episode, you could get a lot more content and you could help the show grow. And it's been able to pro progress to the point now where our free episodes are usually over an hour and uh, the, the full length shows are running anywhere from, say, 210 to 220 in, in length. So I like to think we're giving people a really good amount of free content. It's usually mm -hmm. I know I know season six. I, f I calculated there was about 30 hours of free content. And then if you had the season pass, you would get over 60 hours. Wow. And, and so it's that, as you know, we talked earlier about word of mouth and just slow, steady growth. Uh, that's what's happened with the season pass program. And, uh, as we've gone on, the great thing is that we've been able to build up this back catalog. And so now if somebody discovers us today, and they, they listen to some of the current episodes and they say, man, I really love this. I want to go back. And then they listen to some of the early stuff and they say, yeah, this is, this is what I want to hear. If that person is, is really into it and wants to kind of absorb everything we've done, they're looking at season three, four, five, six that they can, you know, purchase and that they can, mm -hmm. um, you know, get caught up on and hear all that stuff. And we have some bundles and so on. But so what we find is that week to week, the money that we generate from the back catalog sales is essentially what keeps us going. It's what pays the contributors and pays for the show's ongoing progress each week. And then the money that comes in from the current season pass kind of fills the coffers and allows us to take care of all the business expenses and so on. So it's, uh, it, it's still, <laughs> I'm still at a loss to realize that um, that I'm able to do this full time, that people out there that are contributors are, uh, earning a lot more money. And, uh, mm -hmm. that my, my goal has always been to, uh, uh, you know, to share the revenue. This is not something where I'm lining my pockets. The money that comes in goes back into the show, whether it's equipment, whether it's software, or whether it's just compensating the, uh, the talent that shares their stuff with us. So it's, it's been great to see that measly $25 at the start. Now, you know, it, we're now getting close to say 75 to a hundred dollars on various levels. Wow. That's fantastic. I'm really glad to hear about how it's been um, progressing like that. That's really exciting. It's inspiring too, for, I think, uh, you know, podcasters out there that have a vision and want to grow their show and want to do something similar that it is possible. It's not something that's pie in the sky. It's all about the quality and the effort that you put. And if you put in the effort and you put in the quality and you're smart about it, which you have been to come up with a way to monetize it that, you know, gives away the content to the people that can't afford to pay for subscription for a subscription. Uh, but allows those who want more a way to support what they love. And, and I think that's really what it's all about. 
Exactly. Yeah. And it, it's one thing that I, I don't hear it much anymore, but obviously the, the change to the season pass program got a lot of uh, flack and, and a lot of negative feedback. And it always used to make me wince when somebody would say, well, I like the No Sleep podcast until it went behind a paywall. And I thought, no, 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 we've never gone behind a paywall. We, you know, have lots and lots of free content. And, you know, that's when I, when I realized that our audience, it's probably now about 4% of our overall audience is part of the season pass program. Uh-huh. So 96% of our audience is listening to the free show. So, you know, to me, that's the no sleep podcast. It's right. the, fr- the free episode we do every week. That's, you know, that's what most people are hearing. And it's the diehards and the, the wonderful people who support us financially. They're getting the, you know, the other stories, often the longer stories, a little more complex stories. But, uh, yeah, it's like you say, people, when they, when they have that perception that they're getting quality and they could hear that this is a show that's not just, and, and I'm not slagging Mark Marin, but when you have a show like Mark Marin, who it's, you kind of say, ah, it's just two people sitting around talking. Wouldn't mm-hmm. cost much to produce that show. That has a different perception than a show like ours where you're getting music and sound effects and multiple narrators. Yeah. Our, our show for <laughs> whether people would agree with this or not, our show sounds expensive. And, and I think people understand that. And that's part of what motivates them to uh, support it. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, I think you're, you're hundred percent right about you, you, you didn't take anything away. I think it would be different if you were doing an hour show and you're like, well, now going forward, it's only going to be 30 minutes is free and the extra 30 minutes is going to be pay. That's completely different than you adding another layer on top of it and saying, OK, if you want to pay a little more, then I'm going to give you more. I didn't take anything away. Actually, I gave you more and I'm giving you yet more if you want to contribute. I think that's cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, I agree. And it's, uh, I still am amazed that, uh, as the show, the, fr- the free show has grown in length. Um, I've never had anyone complain, like say a season pass member say, Hey, you know, I'm paying for the show and I'm only getting, say, an extra hour of content where with, you know, with the free show now being over an hour, you know, should I really spend the money on a season pass? Because, you know, you're giving out so much away for free, but they never have. And, and that's why I'm just so thrilled and amazed by that core of our audience that recognizes that they're the ones keeping us going and uh you know they don't mind that uh, we're growing an audience because we're giving a lot of good content for free right absolutely mm-hmm. and you have some cool stuff that you saw on there you had a, a t-shirt that i think i want to get <laughs> the the, uh, the halloween t-shirt looks awesome Oh, yes. Yeah. That, that's, that's another component of our show that was just, uh, you know, almost like a little fluke. It wasn't something that was kind of part of my vision, but, um, people contacted me and said, uh, you know, I'm an artist. I'm a digital artist and, and, uh, I would like to, you know, draw some sketches or some illustrations based on some of the stories. And, uh, there was a couple, there was, there is a couple from, uh, Poland boyfriend and girlfriend who are great digital artists and they kind of led that charge. Uh, Unka Odia is uh, the lady and she's designed our logo and has a big visual impact on our website. Um, and her boyfriend, Luke, um, he's an amazing artist. And for probably the first, I don't know how many shows when we had an illustration, it was always Luke who was doing them and he's very gifted and does great stuff. And there too, like every other part of the show, We've grown and we now have, you know, anywhere, probably about a half a dozen active illustrators who we rotate through each week. So, uh, yeah, I love that, that, that aspect of it that, uh, not only are the, is it, uh, you know, on the show itself, on the visual impact of the show, but 
we're able to translate that into things like the t-shirts, as you said. So how do you put together your typical show? I mean, you're collaborating with people, I'm guessing, probably not all, not only all over Canada, but you're talking to people in the United States and probably all over the world, right? Very much so. Yeah, we're a global, a global team. We have great narrators from Britain. We have illustrators from uh, Western Europe. We have South, South Americans, uh, certainly uh, a lot of Americans in terms of narrators and so on, uh, some Canadians. So, yeah, it is a global team. And uh, it's, uh, you know, we, we've, as I said, we've kind of come to know how to work with each other. And that's great. And it's uh, the process itself is... I suppose, I mean, I, I'm hopelessly, and I continue to say this, I am hopelessly disorganized. No, you know, even though I've been doing it for five years, uh, I I feel like, yeah, it's, and I just, I don't know what it is. And, and I have people helping me. As I said, I've got story finders and people who are helping me coordinate other aspects of the show. And yeah, I just, maybe I just, assume that at some point, you know, I can work a 40 hour week or, or that, you know, I can do or, or create a process that's a lot more streamlined, but, uh, so far, no luck. <laughs> <laughs> well, you're probably a perfectionist, aren't you? You, you want the sound to be just a certain way. You want the sound effects to be laid down just a certain way and timed properly, that sort of thing, right? It's so true. Uh, recently, we've been joined by an amazing uh, audio producer, uh, Phil Mikelski. And um, it's funny, when he first came on board, I asked him to do some editing of the audio files. We, you know, they come in from the narrators and we, you know, kind of clean them up a little bit mm-hmm. and, and kind of get them edited properly. And uh, so I sent him my instructions and, and he got back to me and he said, boy, you're really picky. <laughs> so and that that's something that I've had to uh, scale back and I have to acknowledge and say, yeah, I can't be sitting there and expecting, you know, every little click or every little audio, quote unquote, flaw uh-huh. uh, to be corrected. And and that's something I've had to learn. But yes, a, a unrealistic perfectionism is what I'm cursed with. I, I I completely understand. It's it's something that I deal with as well, and I've tried to to pull back a little bit and just let certain things go that only I, with the, the ears of a bat, am, am actually picking up on. And most people are just like, you know, they're listening at work or while they're driving or while they're working out. They're not picking up the deep quality that we're trying to put into the show, but. Yeah, I still have to do some of that, you know, <laughs> it, it, it is so true. And you would think that after all this time, my thick skull could be penetrated <laughs> by that thought that, like you say, people are listening on the bus. They're listening on the subway. They're listening through the tiniest little earbuds. And and yet I'm sitting there wondering, you know, why, you know, I'm fixing things that nobody's going to hear unless they're <laughs> listening to through studio monitors right. at, at the high sample rates that we're using. So, yeah. I don't oh, know. For that one person. Yeah. It's perfect. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I'd like to think that uh, somebody out there uh, acknowledges that. But uh, yeah, I, I, boy, I could probably save 10 hours a week by not being so <laughs> bloody picky. <laughs> <laughs> so what's your favorite part of this process? Oh, probably when I hit send and, and the fun, the episode is done for the week. That's uh, <laughs> that, that's a that's a milestone. Um I, I still love voice acting. Uh, I don't do it as much anymore, uh, you know, partly by choice, um, but, you know, partly for scheduling purposes. 
Um, that's always fun. I, I, I still love, and, and what I'm doing more uh, now these days is I'm not doing kind of the main narration. I'm doing more characters and that's a lot of fun because I don't have to worry about trying to sound necessarily like a, just a regular person. I can be a, a mad scientist or I can be some old, you know, Southern trucker or something like that. I, I can do some voices and do some characters and, uh, that's, that's a lot of fun. That that's a good part of it. But, uh, and certainly, you know, hearing the stories come together and, uh, you know, get close to the completion stage that that's kind of nice because you really start to hear the impact each story is going to have. Yeah. How is it working with with all the different components? We talked. To, I, I guess we we poked at that a little bit. But whenever you're you're pulling everything together, um, what is your normal process like to, in order to you know get all the different components and put together an episode? It will basically start. Uh, we release episodes every Sunday. Technically, that's when the free shows go out. The season pass episodes are usually ready Saturday night, but. You know, we tried, I've tried to extend this time frame, but it's usually about a week out. Um, we get the stories prepared for that week's show. And then so we get the lineup from there. And then it's a case of just dueling out the parts. So I contact all the narrators and get them their roles. Uh, just send them a PDF file and say, you know, here's your part. Uh, I get the list to Brandon for the, uh, for the music. I get the story choices out to the illustrators for them to choose what stories might have the best, best visual impact. And so it's really, it's kind of just sowing seeds. I'm taking seeds and I'm throwing them out there around the world and saying, if you can, you know, get me your narration and you can get me your illustration and you can get me your music, then it all comes back uh, well, it used to be all to me, but of course now with our two other producers, Jeff and Phil, um, they get their parts as well. So it's, it's, it's kind of like that you spread it all out into the wind and then it all comes back. You kind of <laughs> reap what you sow and you, uh, and then it all just kind of starts to get put together. And so it's still, but it's still a pretty tight process. It, it goes, I mean, for example, it's Tuesday, um, tomorrow, Wednesday, I'm going to start doing some of my own recording for this week's show. I'm going to have to start doing some editing for this week's show. And so the process is still very streamlined. Um, it's rare when we can say, here's a story we're going to do three weeks from now. That rarely happens. And what we, we are planning a, a kind of a cool story for our season finale in September. Uh -huh. And I've recently sent out the script for that for some of our narrators. And so that's, I mean, that's unheard of for us, but it's a great <laughs> feeling knowing that a show that's three months away is starting to get uh, narration done and some of the pre-production started. And that would be ideal for the whole show. You know, I'd love to have two or three episodes in the bank and then be working on a show three weeks out. But yeah, maybe pigs will fly. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I, you know, actually, that makes me feel a little better. And I'm sure that other folks that are doing podcasts and putting together story podcasts, especially that's, that's heartening to hear that, you know, it, it, it's, it's very much seat of the pants sometimes um, where you're getting all these components in and you're trying to put everything together and you're, you're shooting for that deadline and trying to make sure that you don't go over. That's exactly how it is. And it, it's still, you know, on the Saturday, I mean, for, I don't know how many years now, my Saturdays have been, um, you know, there, there's no question. I am in my little, studio slash office, uh, working from 6 a.m. until, you know, hopefully if I'm lucky, 5 p.m., uh, if it's normal, maybe 8 or 9 p.m. 
And that's just, that's straight production. That's straight editing and putting stories together. And, uh, yeah. So when our show is released or at least released to the season pass members, um, when they see it in their feed, say nine o'clock Saturday night, they can, they can know that I literally finished, you know, I just finished mixing down the file, you know, 10 minutes before they got it. So it's, that's, uh, hard to believe, but that's the way we operate. Yeah. No, I, I can get it. I totally get it. Um, what do you, what do you use for your editing? What, what sort of software do you use for that? I primarily edit uh, solely on Adobe Audition. That's what I yeah. use too. I love it. Yeah. And it's, I think it's one of the best DAWs for voice, for mm-hmm. spoken word stuff. Um, you get the opportunity when I talked earlier about this meticulous, ridiculous editing that I do <laughs> in terms of little uh, cleaning up little voice uh, ticks and stuff. Uh, it's got a great way to do that using the spectral analysis and so on. Yep. Um, and, you know, it's it's really good in terms of I mean, it's it's one of the uh, kind of the ugly stepsister of of the DAWs that are out there. People talk Pro Tools and mm-hmm. Ableton and show, um, uh, uh, software like that. But for the kind of productions we do, which, you know, you're looking at maybe two or three narration tracks, some a music track and then maybe a half a dozen sound effects and ambient effects. Mm-hmm. So for a, a uh, an average story where you're looking at maybe 12 to 15 tracks, it's, it's more than robust enough. Yeah. And, uh, you know, the plugins that it can handle and the effects, it's, uh, it's a great package. And, uh, I would, I always fear, I don't know why, but I just have this fear that someday, uh, uh Adobe's going to say, well, we're discontinuing it, but, uh, you know, they'll, they'll do that just to bug me, but yeah. no, it's, it's a great, uh, if, if anyone out there is thinking about doing podcasting, um, you know, and you, and you want to move beyond audacity. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, there are other options, of course, but I know a lot of voice actors and people, spoken word artists who uh, swear by audition and I'm one of them. Yeah. It's a, it's a nice program. It's, it's not as robust as something like pro tools, but like you said, for, for the work that we're doing, we don't need something as robust as pro tools. You're not laying down instrument tracks and all kinds of stuff. So yeah, it's, and, and it, it's, it has a really nice interface, I think, in terms of editing the voice and being able mm-hmm. to, to go quickly from the multi-track session into that specific track when you notice, hey, somebody just mouth clicked there or whatever, and I need to fix that. So Exactly. Yeah. Very streamlined. And uh, yeah, I, I can't speak highly enough about it. Jeanette? I'm just fascinated because as part of like audio production at all um I come are you to, in the closet now am i i don't know you sound <laughs> far away <laughs> maybe i just need to bring the microphone closer to my face. there you go <laughs> we'll, you, we'll, we'll learn you eventually podcast <laughs> podcast padawan you said you were fascinated. I think you mispronounced falling asleep, but that's probably more no, accurate. I literally was just like, oh, I didn't know these things because um, I've done video production and uh, I've used Adobe, um, not after, on Premiere for mm-hmm. editing yep. video. And then I recently started using Corel Video Pro X9 or something because I needed something that was more affordable. Um, and so that my laptop could actually run it and Mm. I'm so much happier with it because it's like, oh, I don't need all of these crazy things in this main software that Adobe puts out. I just need to put together some clips and then add some music. Woo. Suddenly I can get so much more done. So like I was imagining that process, but in audio form. 
Yeah. Right. So. And, and with, uh, <laughs> you know, when you mention uh, Adobe Premiere, that's kind of goes hand in hand with Audition. That I think that's really what the market is for Adobe Audition. It's for audio editing for the video production that people do. And, uh, it's, it's been us sort of podcasters who come along and use it solely for audio and we kind of drive it that way. But, but a lot of video editors will do their audio editing in audition because it works seamlessly with premiere. With the editing of audio, like how much thought goes into, uh, how do I phrase this in a non-stupid way? (laughs) (laughs) This is why we edit for you, Jeanette. (laughs) No, you can leave that in. I can be the moron. It's it's accurate to real life. No. Um, (laughs) It's um, like the actual storytelling behind behind the stories. You do have a lot of the sound effects and things like that. And I I guess what I'm trying to get to is where do you source the sound effects from? I know you have the music custom created. Do you do a lot of Foley or are you just like digging through people's archives places? Well, for the most part, um, going back to what I mentioned earlier about the revenue that comes in and putting it back in the show, one of the things I've spent um, way too much money on <laughs> has been to develop this uh, this really cool sound effects library that uh, has built and built over the years. And there are great companies out there. Some of them are big and some of them are small independent uh, sound designers. But I've got you know, gigabytes, if not terabytes of data, um, that's all sort of sourced and labeled with metadata. And uh, so I have this, there's a great, um, software package out there again for people doing this kind of stuff, uh, called sound miner, which is basically a database for sound effects. And so I bring up sound minder and I say, I need, uh, the sound of a door opening. And I just type door open and boom, instantaneously all the files that I have with that with that sort of keywords in them up here. And then I just, I find the one that fits the best and I drag it into the the DAW and it's, uh, it's ready to go. And so, yeah, I mean, the short answer is, yeah, it's just stuff that we've purchased and, and the, the library that we've built up over the years. And, and there are online sites as well. Uh, we have a shared membership in one of those, which is a source, you know, if, if we don't have, uh, just happen not to have a certain sound, but, um, yeah, back in the day that I did a bit of Foley, you know, yeah. if, if there were some, yeah. some sounds, but it's, it's amazing. I mean, it's, it's kind of like stock photography, how you can search for any kind of mm-hmm. concept of a photo and somebody's taken it. It's kind of that way with sound effects. <laughs> so it's, uh, it costs a lot, but, uh, it's a great resource to have. Definitely. It's a lot easier than digging through some of the free sites, uh, which I'm not going to knock because oh, yeah. I credit them in every episode because they're affordable <laughs> for me. But, um, <laughs> you know, it's it, it's funny. I got into this conversation with uh, another uh, audio podcast producer a couple seasons ago. Um, he produces a show called Harry Strange. Tony and I were talking about, the you know, that aspect of sound effects. And he's like, you know, there's 20 sounds of a door opening and I got to listen to every single one of them because the first three might not be right, even though the second one sounded good. What about these other ones? So mm-hmm. I don't know. If, I don't know if you get to that level as, as well or if you're just used to it now where you know which sound you want. Some of the more common ones, yeah, like the, the uh, ubiquitous door opening or slamming or whatever. Yeah, those I kind of have uh, at the tip of my finger, but it, it's so true. And a lot of it, when you talk about sound effects, they're recorded uh, for specific purposes. So if you if we use the example of a door opening, 
there are some people who record uh, a door opening in a long sort of echoey hallway. Mm -hmm. And so you might love that actual sound of the door, but you realize, well, it's not this big echoey hallway. It's this little short hotel hallway or whatever. Mm -hmm. So a lot of it is, is that it's trying to find that the, the sound has the right, uh, atmosphere and essence that matches the, the setting and the story. So yeah, but you're right. You, uh, you can spend a lot of time going through each individual <laughs> file and it's a nightmare when you get into things like footsteps <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> you know, they're, they're walking down, you know, they walk down a carpeted hallway and then down some wooden stairs. So you got to go find individual <laughs> sound files and it's, uh, no wonder it takes me so long. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Just the sound effects alone. Mm. But it adds so much to the atmosphere. It really does. It really does to have the right effect at the right time. Um, I mean, there are times whenever it's just like the sound is so specific. I'm just like, well, that one people are just going to have to imagine. <laughs> yeah, that that's so true. And, and the approach that I've always tried to have is um, is not we're not trying to or at least my approach is to say I'm not trying to create sort of like a movie without the visuals. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I, I don't necessarily want to have every single sound cue in the right. story, uh, translated into audio. Um, you know, if, if I always use the example of if the story is at a point where it's a bright, sunny Saturday afternoon and a friend just visits another friend and he knocks on the door. Well, that sound effect's not going to mean anything. Everyone knows what a door sounds like, mm -hmm. a door, door knocking. The, the story at that point is not full of tension and dread and what have you. Right. But then flash forward to it's three o'clock in the morning. The person's at home alone. They've just woken up. They're not sure what's going on. And then there's a knock at the door. That's where you definitely need that sound effect because it's so out of place. And the sound of that door knocking is going to add to the, the atmosphere and the tension of the story. So... I think a lot of it is just developing a system or a, a methodology over the years of knowing the right place to use the right sound effects. Yeah, I, I think that's that's the approach I usually try to take, too, is if if the sound is is like a character, if if the the sound has something to say and to add to the story, then it's appropriate. And if it's just kind of there, it's really not. And what a great way to put it. Yeah, that's ideal. Yeah. Well, we don't want to keep you too terribly long. Jeanette, did you have any other questions that we didn't get to? Those were my burning questions. <laughs> um, I'm I'm very excited to have been talking to you about everything that you've created. And it's just, I don't want to say amazing, but like awe-inspired. I'm very impressed, I guess is the best way to say this, is with the whole production and how long you've been working on it and just how much it's grown. Um, you have a new avid listener. <laughs> Well, I really appreciate that. And, and, you know, in a way I, I share that and I know that that might sound really ridiculously uh, arrogant. Um, but it's not, I don't look at it like I'm in awe of this because of, uh, any kind of talent or anything that I've necessarily put into it. I feel like I've just been a, a, a coordinator of bringing talented people together. Yep. And I think we are the sort of uh, definition of that phrase. The whole is more than the sum of the parts yep. type of thing. And um, so, yeah, I, I, I'm amazed myself. And it's like I say, it's because in this burgeoning medium of podcasting, 
we're doing something that, I mean, if we were a TV show or a movie or that kind of thing, you would expect that there would be a certain level of quality and this and that, that people come to expect. But in the podcasting world, we're still growing and a mm-hmm. show like ours, which is still largely done by amateurs or hobbyists, uh, can attain a certain level of professionalism and quality that it, it does sort of inspire that. Wow. That, that sounds really good simply because the expectations are kind of low. So I, I do appreciate that. And I'm certainly glad you're listening. So what are the plans for the future? Do you have anything coming up that's uh, that you're excited about doing? Well, we, um, we're not this week, but the next weekend, June 12th, um, we're going to be putting out our fifth anniversary show, which is a big deal for us. It's, uh, it's kind of cool to think that we've been doing it for five years. And so we'll have some special guests on board and, uh, it'll be a full length free episode. So everybody will listen to the full two and a half hour show. And then I sort of tease that, uh, our season finale this year is going to be, um, kind of a big production. It's a single story episode that'll run. Uh, it could end up running close to three hours in length. And so we're going to get some, uh, you know, a lot of people on deck for that. I think it's got probably 20 narration roles in that story and uh, might try to bring on some special guests for that too. But for the most part, uh, as I mentioned, we, you know, the show is kind of where I want it to be now and uh, people are loving it. And so, you know, we just want to kind of keep on doing what we're doing and uh, hopefully more people will, will catch on and, and enjoy what we do. Well, that's really cool. Well, well, you know what? I'll get this one up on June 10th, so we'll make sure it comes out right before your your anniversary. You, sir, are amazing. That would be wonderful. <laughs> awesome. Where can, uh, if anybody's been living in a cave, uh, where can they find the No Sleep Podcast and where can they interact with you? We are at the nosleeppodcast.com. We've got a site up there and uh, you've got all our archives and uh, our artwork. You've got pages for our all our contributors. You can see our uh, somewhat beautiful faces and uh, learn a little <laughs> bit more about us. And um, so, yeah, that's uh, you're going to that's kind of our home on the Web. And then if you want to interact with us and uh, read some really terrible dad jokes that I like to post. Um, we're on Twitter at the, uh, at no sleep podcast. We're facebook.com slash no sleep podcast. I kind of throw out the word, the <laughs> don't like the word, the, but, uh, yeah, so that's, uh, you know, just, and the only thing to keep in mind, if you haven't heard of us, when we say no sleep, that's all one word, N O S L E E P. And that's kind of a nod to the, the subreddit because they don't have the space in there. So no sleep is one word. And if you type that, you'll probably find us. Awesome. Well, thanks again for spending so much time with us. Really inspiring. And I think a lot of fun for people that love story and storytelling and for anybody that's hoping to make their own podcasts with stories and storytelling or whatever they want, really. Uh, it's all about, you know, what you love and what you're passionate about. And I think you have a, a great success story here and a great plan of action. You know, people can take things from this and, and use them and, and make their shows better. Yeah, I, I agree that, and with the, especially with that point about the the passion. You know, I, I as I said, I from the very start, I knew what I wanted the show to become, and I just stuck with it. You know, sometimes being stubborn is the best thing you can be. <laughs> this is true. <laughs> awesome. Give up, never. <laughs> Thank you.
societies rise and societies fall. When the time comes, one society steps forward to build a better future. The Wicked Library, Kettle Whistle Radio, Night Story Podcast, Prog Watch, Red Horse Radio, The Lift, History Goes Bump, Listen, The M Writing Podcast, Society 13, Rebuilding Society, one podcast at a time. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.